Hey, you're listening to The Treehouse Storyteller. Meet me in the treehouse for God-shaped storytelling. Treehouse Storyteller is where we can come together as messy parents seeking Jesus together and raising kids to love him too. If you aren't scared of addressing cultural issues head on and finding a deeper understanding of the biblical worldview to share with your children, then you've come to the right place. I'm not afraid to be transparent and tell all of the juicy details. Our children are being chased by the world and it is our job to be well equipped and know not only how to lead our flock, but successfully send our arrows out into the world one day to build the kingdom. So snuggle up by the fire or soak up the sunshine with those earbuds in and meet me in the treehouse for some biblical storytelling. Okay, so I've got a quick story for you as we kick this off. I used to bike slash walk jog with my mom growing up. She was an avid runner and would be out on the streets of our neighborhood before I could even get into a vertical position for the day. She would have plenty of miles in and... She would often invite me or peek in my bedroom and say, hey, I'm, a, I'm going on a run. Why don't you come join me when you wake up? So I would get on my bike and I'd go find her or I would kind of learn the path that she would take so I could kind of like cut her off and go the opposite direction and meet her before she got home. Well, one of my favorite memories growing up with my mom was when I was able to get up early enough and actually go with her on foot when we could walk together or jog together. And let me tell you, my maiden name is Miles. I am not a runner. Like I skipped that gene. Like everyone else in my family is pretty decent in the whole running scene, or at least like if they're trying, they are doing pretty well. My mom used to run mini marathons And my dad was a sprinter and uh, my oldest brother still runs a ton. And they were in my, both of my brothers are in cross country. I played golf and walked. Um, I didn't run. I didn't really do a lot of running past the point where I had to, or if someone was chasing me, like then I would run, but not a runner. Anyways, so I, it was like a love hate situation because I loved being outside and I loved the act of like walking and I love speed walking. I'm totally the nerd that would speed walk, um, but I don't enjoy running. Well, she made it really extra special for us. And I don't even know that she realizes how special this was for me, but she did. And she would often give us kind of this challenge while we were walking to also like to pass the time and to get our mind off of the actual act of walking, we would have to say back and forth different names of God. So, you know, we would sit there and say like, Abba, Father, Yahweh, like, and go on and on and on of anything that was in uh, just describing God's character and describing his attributes. And this made a really big impact on me because it taught me at such an early age to really call on all of who God says he is. And I think it was such a really cool thing to do as like a mother-daughter. 
Uh, so much so that now I'm talking about it to you guys and encouraging you as like a super practical way right off the bat. If this is like all you get out of it, I think it would be cool. Um, a really awesome exercise to do with your kids that can be totally casual and not formal and very relaxed is maybe whatever you're doing. Maybe you're gardening, maybe you're washing the dishes, maybe you're cleaning, maybe you're cooking, uh, maybe you're list making and sitting there, maybe you're drawing. I don't know. If you have ideas, I want to hear them. Um, But essentially find a special moment with your kiddos to go back and forth and see this challenge, like how long can we keep going before someone forgets? And it's really fun to do with multiple people because then you get multiple angles and perspectives of God's character from different hearts and different minds. And we all, you know, push into a certain part of the Lord in a, in a different way. And so here I'm going to kind of read some of the names to you to kind of inspire you and to fill you with uh, some various names that are presented in the Bible to us and kind of also what they mean. So Abba, is really meaning daddy. Almighty is the all-powerful. Ancient of days is God is active in history. The everlasting God is the eternal God. Father, the first person of the Trinity. God, the creator. God, the most high, which is the exalted one. The God who sees uh, or the responder to needs. The holy one of Israel the set-apart God of Israel. The judge is the leader who pronounces judgments. Lord, the master. Lord Yahweh is the person, most intimate name God assigned to himself. I think that one's just really, really awesome to realize that when we are saying Lord, as in Yahweh, we are, we are very intimately calling on him. And that's crazy to me because so many people will just say, Oh Lord, you know, like we'll take the Lord's name in vain. And that is his most personal, most intimate name that he assigned to himself. Um, the Lord is my banner, which means Yahweh protects the Lord of hosts, Yahweh of the armies. The Lord is peace. Yahweh is peace. The Lord will provide the Lord of our righteousness, the righteous one, Lord is my shepherd. I mean, it goes on and on and on. I'm actually getting this list out of my study Bible. Um, It's a New King James women's study Bible specifically. And that is, guys, like, that is like a really short list. Like, there's so many names on here, uh, or so many names that are not on this short list of names of God. Um, And you can go into names of Jesus and Messiah Savior, like all of these other attributes that is still like the Godhead. um, And we can expound on that for a really long time. And why is this important? Okay. So under, if we understand who God is, then we have a better understanding of who we are in Christ. So when we are parenting and we are working with our kids and our kids are struggling to have confidence in who God has made them. They're struggling with who they are. Um, They, you know, they're going through the awkward kid phase where they're starting to doubt things and starting to feel awkward and weird. And I've got a 
a 12 and a half year old and a 10 year old. I know like the preteen thing real well right now. Uh, and there's a lot of moments where my kids are really down on themselves and they're really struggling to just have confidence. And I think one of the most vital things that we can provide for our kids is helping them to truly see where their identity comes from and truly see their identity from a biblical perspective and their identity through Christ's eyes. Okay. So like this, God sees them differently than they see themselves. Thank goodness God sees us differently than we see ourselves, especially in our, our down moments of time. But knowing who God is and his attributes will help us. So an attribute is a noun. Okay. I know I'm a wordy sometimes. I geek out over words. So an attribute is a quality or feature regarded as a characteristic or inherent part of someone or something attributed as belonging to a person, thing, group, so forth. So a quality, character, characteristic, or property. Uh, For instance, a scepter is one of the attributes of a king. Okay. So when you think of like a king, a worldly king, you might think, oh, they have a scepter. You might think, oh, they have a throne. Like that it would be an attribute of a king. Like he would have those things or a crown. Okay. So when we look at God the Father, when we look at Yahweh, when we look at Abba, he has attributes. And he has very clear attributes all through scripture that we find time and time again, over and over, repetitively called out, identified. Like if we are digging into our Bible, if we are opening up the pages that God gave us to read of him, then we will learn who he is. Okay. But we've got to open up his book. We have to open up his word and we have to ask him, God, please show up. Please help us to see who you are through your words. I don't know about you, but sometimes I zone out when I'm reading and I'm reading and I'm turning pages and I'm even like my finger will go down the page following along where my eyes are looking, but it will become a point where I start to daydream. And if your kids do this, like, don't shame them for it. I totally have done it my whole life. I have studied this, um, not like professionally studied this, but there is a certain level that all creatives do that. And it's, it's because you have a strong imagination that it's hard to stay exactly within the lines of what you're reading and you start to wander and like make up your own things along the way, which is kind of, I don't know, kind of <laughs> challenging in a way. It's exciting if you're reading certain things. Um, and I will start to make lists while I'm reading. So let's say I open up the Bible for my morning quiet time. I will be reading the Bible and like a couple minutes in, I'm already thinking of lists of things I need to do. Oh, what time is it? Oh, I need to do this today. And I, my mind will like start imagining all of these other like side projects. 
And it's really hard for me to stay focused on reading sometimes. So I have to do what is called active reading, where I have a pen or a paper or a pen and paper or a highlighter and active reading. I think it's called a couple different things, but I learned about it as being called active reading. And what you do is while you're reading, you're highlighting things, you're underlining things, you're finding the important stuff, you're taking notes, you maybe are talking out loud, maybe you're listening to it while you're writing things down. Um, So there's different ways that you can actively read. But for me, I need to fidget with a pen, but then I'll also have that pen right there so that I can underline and take notes and write in the margins of my Bible, circle things, go back. And another part of active reading is stopping when you're not sure what you're reading and investigating it. So like looking up a hard word or looking up the dictionary or thesaurus to understand the meaning differently. Biblically speaking, Active reading could look like looking up cross-references. So you are really doing word studies or you're finding another verse that is cross-referenced that has something to do with the verse that you're reading. You find another verse in the Bible that will kind of help you piece it together and understanding the context and the history, obviously. So all that being said, those are just some tangible, helpful tips if you find yourself wandering when you're reading or you find that your kids do that when you're reading that will help them kind of like tune back in to the words on the page. Going back to God's attributes. So I feel like I always see these words as very similar to each other, but On one hand, we have attributes, which we've already defined and talked about a little bit, but there's another word that's very similar to attributes and it's attitude. So attitude and attributes. Now this is not, this is like total Hannah definition here. Okay. So this is just the way that I see these two words, but an attitude I feel like can change. You can have a bad attitude and then you can have oh, yay, something happy happened, and now I have a good attitude. Your outlook on life can change. Your attitude, your circumstantial situations can change. Your attitude can change with the wind. Like you can have mood shifts. You can focus on something that the world is throwing at you all of a sudden. You're motivated maybe by flesh. Uh, an attitude is is more of the current and now situation, and maybe it's self-seeking, and it's, it's driven a lot of the time by feelings or emotion of what's going on in your life, where an attribute is more your identity. It stands firm. It's more of a character trait. It's not wavering. Uh, it's, it's much more set in stone of who you are, who your character is. It's, it's more constant. I'm not saying it can't change, um, but it is more constant. It's not easily changed. Let's put it that way. And it's, it's kind of like your status, okay? And we know through scripture that God is an unchanging God. He doesn't change. He was the same yesterday. He's the same today. And he's going to be the same tomorrow. So we know that his attributes are not going to change. So when we read something from scripture about who God is, about the Messiah, about the helper, about the Holy Spirit, about God, about his love, about his wrath, about his holy anger, about his love, about his goodness. Like those things are not going to change. 
the way he sees marriage, the way he sees his children, the way he wants us to be whole and live a life filled with him and filled with his love and filled with his, his goodness over his people. Like those are things that are, are standing firm. Those are attributes of God. But you and I, you and I can have like, we can have our own set of attributes, but then we can also have our attitude <laughs> for the day. And that's going to change. My attitude yesterday doesn't look exactly like today's. And tomorrow, I don't know what it's going to look like yet, right? I might wake up feeling great. I might wake up feeling, feeling my age. I don't know. So God is <laughs> constant. Okay, so we see in Exodus 34, 6, and the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. Guys, this is all describing God. He is, let's go back. He is merciful. He's gracious. He's long-suffering. He's abounding in goodness and truth. Like these are all him. Okay. All right. So let's list off a few more attributes. Again, when I, when I tell you I'm going to list stuff off, I'll put it in the show notes. He is God. He is eternal. He's faithful. He's good. He's grace, holy, jealous, judge. He's long suffering. He's love. He's merciful. He's omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, personal, righteous, truth, Okay, that is a very short list. So we have several, I said some big words there. We have several omnis of God, okay? So that's what I call them, omnis, O-M-N-I. So Psalms 90, verse 2, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth in the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Do you see how constant God is in scripture over and over again? So here, let's define some of these omnis. So immutable means unchanging. The same yesterday, today, and forever. He is constant. He is I am. And that's found in Isaiah 46, 9 through 11. We see that. Omnipotent means all powerful. We see that in Psalms 33, 9, as, as well as many other places, but that is one of the main verses. He is omnipresent. He is, that means that he is all present from the tiniest atom, yet consumes the entire universe. We could reference that in 2 Chronicles 6, 18, Ephesians 4, 6, and again in Jeremiah 23, 23 through 24. Okay, he is also omniscient, which is all-knowing, all-knowledge. He knows all. He sees all. He is like, you know, all the things. Now, this is one that doesn't get as much usage. Uh, for one, I think it's harder to pronounce. <laughs> Omnitemporal means that he is past, present, and future simultaneously. This is the one that like out of all of these, I think is quite possibly the most mind-boggling because he is able to be, he defies time and space, right? He can just be in existence always and forever at the same time, which is crazy. Our human, human bodies, our human capabilities or lack thereof 
cannot do any of these things. So it is amazing the God that we serve. If we truly have this kind of faith, if we truly believe that the God that created the universe, that the God that says he lives in us, that the God that says he gave his son to give us eternal life and that he is making a place for us right now that is going to be, I can't even imagine, like if God made the world in a week and he's had years and years to make this place that he is preparing for us in heaven Oh my word, (laughs) it's going to be incredible. Like there's not even a word to express how awesome heaven and eternal life with God is going to be. Even if it was just God himself, that would be enough, right? But he has made us a place. It's incredible. So make sure that you remember all of these omnis, as I say, because if we can remember that God is all of these things, all at the same time. It's not like he pulls one superhero capability out of his belt at one time. And then he's like, okay, I used up my all powerful and that tank is empty. And now I'm going to go do the all present thing. And then a couple hours, I'll like figure out the all knowing. No, he's like all of these things all at the same time. And he's unchanging. So another thing you guys have probably heard the whole, he's alpha and omega, beginning and end. Well, if you really look at how that is defined, um, it really is, I think that's the Greek, it really means it's not A and Z, it means A through Z. So like beginning through the end. So that's where a lot of people will say beginning and end, but really what that means is he is the beginning, he is the middle and the end. So he is that whole spectrum of time. It's just incredible (laughs) how amazing God is and his character. And the more that we learn about him and the more that we study him and the more that we see his goodness and his power and his majesty and his might, the more that we can grow our faith and the more that we can pass that down to our kids because we need to pass the knowledge of who God is down to our kids so that they can see who God's character is too. Because if we don't take the time to define who God is to them, and they think he's just some cloud up in the sky that says things are good and things are bad, and I just want to have fun, but God said that's bad, and I don't like that he says that, and he's just this like puppeteering person that creates bad things, and you know they're going to get so confused and so misguided about God's character. But if we study God's character, it's going to grow our faith and grow our belief system so that we can act out our beliefs because what we believe becomes our actions, right? Everyone knows that, hopefully. So what we spend time believing on and what we actually do fully believe, we end up acting out. So if we believe that God is who he says he is in his word and is revealed to us through creation, if God, if we know that God is who he says he is, then our actions are, go- are going to reflect worshiping the God that he says he is. But if we don't believe that he's really all that he's, he says he is, and well, it's not all cracked up, <laughs> what it's cracked up to be kind of mentality, then we're going to be putting our faith in other things. We're going to put our faith in what men tell us. We're going to put our faith in uh, what men have created. We're going to believe man's system. We're going to believe that 
the lies of the enemy, we're going to fall into a dark trap. But if we believe who God is and who he says he is, then, oh my word, like if we really believed all those things that he is, like, shouldn't we be running after that going, oh my goodness, give me more, give me more. I, this is incredible. So we need to be putting these things on our hearts so that we can be teaching our kids who he is and helping them to understand, going back to the beginning, if we know who God is, then we also can start to piece together who we are in him. Okay. So Psalms 102, verse 12, But you, O Lord, shall endure forever in the remembrance of your name to all generations. Guys, this is our job to put it, make sure that he is known to all generations. We've got to be the storytellers to the next generation. You will arise and have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her. Yes, the time, the set time has come. Everything about God is always always and forever. God is faithful. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. Lamentations 3, 22 through 25. That book doesn't, doesn't get enough love, does it? Okay, so... <laughs> God is good. Okay, so we see over and over again that he is good. He is the originator of goodness in Genesis. Jesus defines goodness in one word, and that's God. He abounds in goodness. Goodness is the driving motivation behind all of his blessings that he has given to us. And goodness is for this life as well as for eternity. His goodness gives us hope. His goodness leads to repentance. He produces thankfulness. And he started a good work, a good work in all of his believers and commits himself to completing it. We see that in Philippians 1:6. So current events, the world issues, the culture that we are finding ourselves in, oh my word, guys, none of these things, while they change our attitude, none of these things change God's attributes. It's outside of his nature to change. We see in scripture, he doesn't change. He is the same. I'm so thankful for that because we're a hot mess and he is constant. He is the same. He promises his goodness on this earth. I'm sure now I'll see God's goodness in the exuberant earth, exuberant, sorry. <laughs> stay with God. Take heart. Don't quit. I'll say it again. Stay with God. Psalms 27, 13 through 14. God's goodness doesn't change. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Psalms 136. God is the true definition of love. Over and over and over again, God's love is self-starting, indestructible, undeserved. God, we, don't, we, don't, we don't deserve the love that he is willing to give us, that he's already given us. He's compassionate, constant, immeasurable, voluntary. <laughs> He's a gift. So God's love is for the kingdom. He wants all of us to see how much he's loved us so that we can come to the cross and accept Jesus. He gave us eternal life through Christ, and that is the only way 
We can't get to him by our good works. We can't get to heaven by a check in the box system. We can't cross things off our to-do list and earn our way or climb a ladder or fly up there. Like we have to go through Jesus. We have to see Jesus as our savior. And the only way to God is the cross. So we see that God is truth. Everything else is measured off of him. Guys, this is a huge, huge lie of the enemy. And it has been the lie of the enemy from the very beginning. We see in Genesis where the enemy deceives Eve. He twists the teeniest sentence to deceive Eve, to give her a reason to go against what God said. And we are seeing that more and more evident today. And it's probably, he's he's always been doing this. It's no new trick. He doesn't have new tricks up his sleeves. He doesn't have the ability to be creative and like find all these awesome new ways. Let's not give the enemy any credit, okay? But what he is doing is deceiving mankind since day one. And one of the best ways he does that is through his lies. And one of the the worst ways that mankind gets caught up is by believing those lies and taking it for truth when it's 100% against what God has already said and claimed over our lives. So everything is measured off of God. He is the constant. He's the lighthouse, the way, the true north. Anything that does not point to him is not of him and is therefore false. So anything that goes against what the word of God says, because the word is God, anything that goes against what the word of God says is false, not true. Toss it in the fire. But we see human after human, friend after friend, child after child consumed by the lies, caught up by the falseness of the enemy the deception, whether this is of who God is, because I think that's that's a big one. I think the enemy loves trying to tell you that God doesn't want good for you, whether it's for who you are in Christ. He lies, lies to you about who you should believe you are when God says you're something else. God says you're something better. You're his, your chosen child. I mean, the, the list can go on of the lies that the enemy has been spreading And they spread like wildfire. And because the world is all his and darkness is here on earth, sin is here on earth, people just swallow up these lies and run wild with them. And it's our job as believers and it's our job as parents to be the truth tellers and to say, nope, that is not what God's word says. I'm sorry, I can't buy it. It sounds great to you. Sure. Okay, that, that, might, that might be your belief system, but it goes against mine. And we've got to stand firm. Otherwise, we are giving over to the enemy and we are showing the world that God's word is not truth and we are handing over power to the enemy to continue destruction. And we're also telling the world that our belief system of God's attributes has changed when we know that's not true. So the word is truth. John 1, 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus. And we beheld his glory and the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. 
In mercy, the throne will be established and one will sit on it in truth in the tabernacle of David, judging and seeking justice and hastening righteousness. Isaiah 16, 5. Guys, God is a just God and he knows what's true and he knows his plan and his plan is going to be finished. I mean, God, Jesus already finished on the cross, right? He said it is finished. The work is done. The really hard work is done, but we have to believe it and we have to run after him. So guys, I just love talking about God's attributes. It just fills my soul with goodness, knowing that I serve a God that is so much bigger than the lies of this world, that I serve a God that is after, he is after my heart always, and he wants good for me always, and he desires me to be running after him. And so I invite you to just pour into who he is this week. Study his attributes. Look up a list. Look at the show notes. I'll guide you to a couple places there, some resources that I have found helpful. And just push into time that you can share with your kids and any excuse that you have to talk about Jesus with your kids, take it because you're not only building your own faith by talking about him, but you're setting a foundation for your children. So thank you so much for joining me today. I hope this was a blessing to you. It was a blessing to me just spending time with you in scripture. See you soon. Before you go, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and head on over to Instagram or Facebook and follow us on Treehouse Storyteller or check us out online at thetreehousestoryteller.com for more products, blogs, photography, and encouragement. See you soon.